innovation is in our veins Soon the whole world will know our names Sharing our knowledge and freedom reign We here for the people, you know it's our way Setting foundations is part of the dream It doesn't matter if you're new to the game Listen up now, cause we all gon' say Ugh. Elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, we gon' rise up Welcome to the LA Podcast, everyone. It's so great to have you all on one more time. It's your boy, Josh. And Reg. And we're grateful to be back on with you. And we have problems with the audio, as per usual, but we're back. Good to be back with you all tonight. There's a lot, a lot, a lot to get into. As we started off the season, we knew that 2024 was going to be a rough year. In terms of just a lot was going to happen, and we're already feeling it here in this first month. We're feeling restricted as a show, uh, only coming on once a week to cover a plethora of stories all within an hour, hour and 20. And we're out here starting the show, uh, fighting before the show even starts of what we're going to cover because there's so much uh, to cover. And we're going to be diving into all of it tonight. Obviously, we had uh, the World Economic Forum stupidity uh, happening on the other side of the globe over in Davos, Switzerland, and we'll be chatting on that as well as just different things that are happening in terms of policy being instituted in this country that is affecting the everyday person. And we're just wondering, we're trying to get to the bottom of it. And of course, we're going to get to yours truly. One of the most inflammatory, I would say, theories going on in the world that me and Reg will talk and discuss and possibly debate later this evening as well in the Great Replacement Theory as Reg rolls his eyes at me. We are set. We are ready. Guns a blazing. Reg, how are you feeling, big dog? Uh, I'm feeling a little bit, a little wiped. I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, my wife had a procedure done the other week, so I've been kind of like... I don't want to say single parenting it because she's she still contributes, but uh, it's been challenging because I've been full time job and uh, a lot more duties with the the parenting, and I have the in laws in this week as well. Oh gee, so it's just kind of a it's a lot of personalities and a and a lot of uh, extra responsibility. So I'm just a full house. It's a full house, and I also I was at a mad dash to Costco to go pick up a washing machine because ours exploded. No, so, <laughs> yeah. It's one so, of those weeks, eh? It, it certainly has been. And um, yeah, so we're feeling it a little bit, but I'm excited to get into this stuff because it's it's hilarious. It's juicy. And uh, I got roasted. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it got, it got real loud online for you uh, last week. Uh, I've never, uh, this was, this has happened before, but it's starting to happen a little more often. And I don't really know how to what's the word I'm looking for? I just don't really know how to take it these days. Navigate. <laughs> uh, in terms of just like getting roasted and murked by both sides on the same video. Yeah. Uh, obviously we're talking about our take on what happened with David Menzies a few weeks back of him, get, essentially RCMP manufacturing an arrest of him while he was questioning Christia Freeland, our finance minister here in Canada. And you st- pretty much said, I don't like rebel news. I think they're fake news. And, but what happened to David Menzies shouldn't have happened. And I think this is a really terrible precedent to set in this country. And instead of us people agreeing and getting on board with what we have in common, they decided to point out your differences and decided to, uh, like what the left does with CBC and other news outlets, well, the right came and said defending Rebel News uh, in the name of the altar of Rebel News. And they weren't very happy that you disparaged oh, the name. I know. And it was too funny because I was reading it and they're just like, oh, I forget what the top comment was, but there was one I read and it was just like, this guy doesn't know anything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I was like, I actually know quite a bit and a lot to be dangerous, but just because I don't like that one news source, I was like, okay, cool. That's a, that's a way to look at it. And then it was funny because if you scroll down to the, all the, the um, comments that are like one or two hearts, nothing like crazy. There are all these people being like, oh yeah, that's a good take. I like that. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, there's lots of those, but uh, the ones that are up at the top are just like, it's crazy because you're not right enough to be with the right, but you're not left enough to be with the left. And they're just like, nobody wants you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's typically how it works, right? What's what I've learned. And that's kind of the issue that we see in our society is um, people on either side of this in the political spectrum, obviously the loudest and those who are just in the middle, just tr trying to live their life, trying to figure out what the heck's going on are the ones who are obviously going to be the most quiet because they actually have a life that need, they need to live. So it was really interesting to kind of see that actually play out on this video yeah. and seeing that happen. And, and admittedly, I'll, I'll, I didn't have time to get into it last week to kind of push you on because I was curious. Um, but, you know, that's what you said. You're not a huge fan of Rebel News. And a lot of times you think what they're doing is made up. I'm curious, like, what in particular. I think there was some uh, interesting comments that were made regardless of, you know, you said in the comment, I don't, I don't watch, I don't read Rebel News, but... I don't like them. And so a lot of people took issue with that. Yeah. It was the fact that like, well, if you don't read, have read them, then why do you think you have, why do you have an opinion on them? And so I'm curious, what about them like specifically really upsets you? So I guess it's not that I'm upset, not that I think that they're fake news per se, but it was more like, I don't, when I say I don't read them, I mean, I don't read them with any like purpose or intention. So I've read their articles and I listened to it and I'm like, this is so leaning towards one narrative. And then the words that they use are like, they're trying to spark like that clickbaity kind of um, thing. CBC is bad for it too. If you read some of their like very left leaning articles, they do the same thing. And so that's why I actually, I'm a big fan of the national post. And I found out recently from a, more liberal friends that they were like national post is like very conservative. And I was like, I feel like they're very in the middle. Like I feel like they're very, you know, common ground kind of news source. And they're like, this is just the same as rebel news. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> so when I say I don't like rebel news, I don't like them because I find that they're too biased. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, and that's honestly why I've been criticized about CBC too. It's like, you take what you got. Sometimes rebel, they, they have a take and you, and you watch it and you're like, yeah, I agree with that. But the bulk majority of it, I don't. And the same with CBC, you read a lot of it and you're just like, wow, that's really slanted. Just depending on what graph they show you and how that's been altered or I'm trying to remember them. Oh yeah. The Polyev um, video debunking yeah. where they had to come out and retract it all because <laughs> they were wrong. But the amount of people Which that had, time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the amount of time that they like quoted that it was just ridiculous. And so that's why you have to take every news media source with a grain of salt. And I have my preferences and my preference is not rebel news. And I stand by that. My preference is just, you know, the national, the national, national post. I, I said, like it. You, yeah, you mean the national on CBC? Is that <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> national post. Yeah. It's funny. The national post has always been typically on, uh, I would say center, right? in this country, at least center, right. Um, and so it is interesting kind of seeing them come out more, I guess, as we've talked about before, as the left moves further left, they now seem right wing. Mm. Um, but like, they've always kind of been in that kind of that like center, right. Since I've known them, uh, or at least been reading them since I was like 13, 14. Uh, so it's, uh, it's just interesting how we see the political leaning shift and the extremes are, are, are shifting like crazy. I know. And yeah. It's funny too, because I think of like the other sources that I consume, like Global or um, CTV Atlantic, like 
different things like that. And I, I take everything with a grain of salt now because I'm just like, half the time you, you're trusting these people to be telling the right story. And sometimes you're just like, I don't even know. I don't know what editor has said. You can't say that word or this needs to be edited in such a way. And uh, I just keep thinking back to that. Uh, I think it's Dylan Page is his name. Um, the news daddy oh, yeah. on TikTok when mm -hmm. he said that he did a, a interview with legacy media and he talked it all through. And then he said, what I got afterwards was nothing like the interview. He said it removes all context. It makes it look like I'm saying something I'm not. And like, yeah, that's, that's the news that you're dealing with now. So I really do think you have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt and uh, try and do your own investigation as much as possible. And that's what we do. Yeah, so. absolutely. And that's kind of, you know, what, what come back, what, my personal views on rebel is there's definitely, I think there's actually some decent, like uh, some personalities in rebel I do enjoy. Um, but as you said, the ones that get the most play are the people who are a little more inflammatory <laughs> in what they say. Uh, they like to get the people going and that's kind of, and I think that's what you're speaking to is just that style of journalism is just, it's, it's just the right wing version of what we have in this country. Oh yeah. Um, but that one thing they have going for them is the fact that they are making all their own money. They're not subsidized. At exactly. All. And that is where they have my respect. That's honestly where they have my respect in that way. It's like they're funding themselves. They're not being funded by a government to say what, you know, wants to be said. So I, I give them that respect. Am I going to read them? I will browse some of their articles. I will skim over them. But for the most part, nah, that's not, it's just not my source. Not your source. So not All my right. cup of tea. Okay. I got you. Saying, I got you saying, <laughs> well, well, there was an event in Toronto this past weekend. I know. I loved it. <laughs> Did you love it? So uh, my favorite part about this was I talked about this last week on the show with Pat McAfee and let's just say they were getting, they got a, a little bit into Sean Strickland. Um, they, ve they were very hesitant about touching on him <laughs> and it was really funny to watch. Like Pat's like, I don't know if I want to talk about this. And the, everyone just like started laughing because they knew exactly what the problem was. But yes, yeah, so you had, Fighter UFC at the middle time at the time middleweight champion Sean Strickland who came to Toronto to defend his belt uh, for UFC I think it was two ninety seven I think it was what it was and uh, he's got some strong political views uh, let's per se not a huge fan of the woke crowd not a huge fan of what they're about or the ideology they're espousing and he made sure to let everyone know. That's how he felt. Or oh, did you see his t-shirt though? Dude, his t-shirt was just the cherry on top, dude. I know. <laughs> but it was funny because I was listening to all these people and they were like, oh, I can't believe, you know, he said this about this. I was like, read his t-shirt. The man gets like punched in the head for a living. Are you really going to? <laughs> like, anyway, it's just interesting. Dude, the right was loving him. They, they're all asking for Sean Strickland for prime minister. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> it was, well, I mean, that's the thing with Sean is I've been following him for probably a little over a year now. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, you watch any of his interviews, like you just, you know, what you're going to get with this guy. He's a UFC fighter. He's going to say some wild stuff. I know. Like, like it's just, he gets punched in the head for a living. Like, Anybody who does that has to be a little bit just like insane. <laughs> absolutely. So, and then when you start giving him play in terms of He's realizing he's getting on your skin. Oh, yeah. Like, you just watch him in the fights. Like, when he's talking trash to his opponent, as soon as he gets a sniff that he's really rattled with you, or, sorry, that he, you're getting, he's getting on your skin, he goes even harder. So when it comes to his politics, he gets even a scent that he's annoying you. He's just going to double down 10, 10x on it. And that's what he did. Yeah. 
It's funny because I, I watched it and I thought about it for a second because I was like, I have three younger brothers and this is the kind of crap that I would pull. <laughs> so I respect it. <laughs> Do I agree with his ideology? Not all of it. Like the, the F Trudeau part, like kind of, yeah, <laughs> definitely. But like the rest of it, like the whole like wife getting the kitchen t-shirt. I was just like, oh man, like it, this is... <laughs> But you know what? Entertaining. Entertainment was what it was. That's so what I was there for. And that's the thing is like, I watched it. I thought it was entertaining. I laughed mm -hmm. and I was just like, next and went to the next video. But the amount of people, this is what got me. The amount of people that actually took time and brain cells to debate this was what blew my mind. I was like, the man's an entertainer. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. like His whole thing is like, he was hitting on a very, very touchy subject. Oh yeah. And he was, just, and his point, obviously said in a very crude manner, is why is this a debate? And that was then he just, just kept punching on that nerve the whole time. And so as he said, the moment was what the moment was. You know, you 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 move on. But similar to how I felt about Donald Trump was seeing the people that annoy me react to it and then i was like all right i'm kind of i'm okay with this this is comical seeing rachel gilmore lose her mind over this oh. guy i'm like are you seriously wasting your time covering this guy you clear we all know you disagree we all know that you're not a fan of this but like you're just she went three four or five videos deep on this guy throughout the weekend yeah like, it's like for somebody who hates him a lot you're giving him a lot of air time like yeah <laughs> really you're spending a lot of time on somebody you supposedly dislike she she didn't she even did a post fight video <laughs> oh he lost he's a loser he's a beta male <laughs> it's like oh my gosh you're such a wiener <laughs> that's exactly it like i'm like just get a life and that's kind of how i felt with all the left left-wing journalists covering the whole event i was almost like hey None of you are sports writers. None of you have covered the UFC. But all of a sudden, I know it's touching on the culture war, so that, that's mm -hmm. what you're going to come out for. But it was hilarious to see everyone lose their mind over this. Yeah. I'm like, bro, it's, like, it's, it's Sean Strickland. It's, but it's funny, though. It's, it's worlds colliding in so many different ways. And it's, it's funny. I'm just watching culture just like collide in itself. Like today, I was driving into work and I listened to the country music station because um, my phone was dead. <laughs> so I couldn't listen to Spotify. And uh, the, the thing that came up was like about Travis Kelsey's brother or something like this. And I was like, the fact that I even know who Travis Kelsey is is annoying what <laughs> because i don't follow football come on i'm not a i'm not a football fan i Boo. never never played never <laughs> never watched it but the fact that i know who this man is yeah all because it's been shoved down my throat about taylor swift and all this other crap i'm like i don't care <laughs> like stop like Jeez. we literally have people like asking for war in this world and you're just like whatever his face is there travis kelsey's brother went shirtless and drank beer i'm like that's a regular Friday night for half of Nova Scotia. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? It's not a big deal. It was lit. It was a good time. Yeah, it was, uh, you're, you're right. It's interesting kind of seeing just culture, just clash in various parts. It yeah. It's interesting. Um, but I think the, the regardless of the shenanigans that happened pre-fight, it was Dana White, president of the UFC's um, interview post-fight, which I thought was really interesting. Again, the Canadian journalists trying to get at a gotcha moment and... And here's the president of UFC responding to that. Dana, I just want to go back. Um, you were talking about like 
you obviously give a long leash to your fighters about, you know, what they can say when they are up there with a UFC microphone and you are getting into territory of homophobia, transphobia, like, is there... I don't give anybody a leash. Well, I'm saying you... A leash? I'm... St- like Free speech. Control when... what people say? Going to tell people what to believe? Going to tell people... I don't fucking tell any other human being what to say, what to think, and there's no leashes on any of them. What is your question? I was asking that question. I'll move on, though. Yeah, uh, probably a good idea. You just, that's ridiculous <laughs> to say I give somebody a leash. Free speech, brother. People can say whatever they want, and they can believe whatever they want. If And I don't think there's any... We had, we had, we had two gay women who fought in the co-main event. They sat on the stage with Sean Strickland. They could give a shit what Sean Strickland thinks or what he says or what his beliefs are, what his opinions are. You know what I mean? And what I say to that is, amen. Like, absolutely. I love that. He's like, leash? What leash? It's like a leash would be, you know, restricting what people can say and believe and think. And like you said, he's like, those two women didn't give a crap about him because the, what he says doesn't affect them. Yeah. They don't care. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was come as you said earlier on talking about cultures cultures clashing. I we we we've known this for a while. We've just been seeing the the decline of Canada in terms of what we you know we want to police people's speech. Um, we are instituting policies that are consi- considerably restrictive to people in trying to get financial gain in this country. And we just kind of keep seeing the decline year over year over year. And I really, what, this was the, in in the back of my mind, I know this is happening. But I finally got to see a compare and contrast over that weekend. And that was the moment for me, watching Mm -hmm. Dana White talk. Seeing all these Canadian journalists stand shocked that he would dare say something like that. Yeah. Free speech. It was a foreign concept to them. And I was like, holy smokes. Even for myself as a Canadian, knowing what's been going on, seeing what's been going on, me even seeing being shocked by the the contrast of like, yeah, we used to believe that. We as a whole country used to believe that. Mm-hmm. Now you have these journalists, quote unquote, just shocked that Dana White would say, get over it, free speech. What he says shouldn't have an impact on you. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's, it's funny because I feel like there's so many instances now where I'm looking at things and I'm like, why is this a problem? Like, I, I, I always use example because my wife's indigenous and her mother made like the best point that I will always remember. And she said, I don't get why we're so upset, whether we call somebody native, indigenous or whatever. She's like, it doesn't put clean drinking water on reserves. She's like policing what white people say in the back room doesn't put clean drinking water on the reserves. I'm like, yeah. She's like, what I'm upset is, is the lack of action. She's like, let's talk about the fact that, you know, no actions have been completed in 2023. She didn't say that because she's passed, but like that would be what she would say kind of thing. Like, of course, 100%. Let's talk about action and words are words and you can judge people based on whatever they say, but I think their actions speak louder than their words. So yeah, I'm right with them. Free speech all the way. Let somebody open their mouth and and let you know that they're an idiot by what they say and then just be done with them. Mm-hmm. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. It's not affecting you. Go on your way. Couldn't agree more. And that's essentially one thing that these people are not learning. 
literally, if to those who are on the side of, you know, um, or we're essentially on the side of um, against what Sean said, how to say, to those who are on that side, very pro trans rights or whatever. Yeah, actually, I mean, that's not even the word I want to use, but like uh, trans issues, very pro trans issues, very pro LGBTQ issues. If that's really where you stand on these things, why give a megaphone to, to the other side as yep. much as he did? We talked like that. We just talked about like the amount of time, the amount of videos Rachel Gilmore made on this guy. If you were so against it, why give it the time of day? Yeah. It's, it's mind boggling. Do you know why? It's because you're a grifter. You just want money. You're a joke and you don't actually care about these issues. You care about the amount of views these issues bring you. Yeah. That's funny for anybody who didn't realize because <laughs> you're not in the studio right now. I was doing like the little money symbol where I was making that noise because it's true. It's exactly what I said last week. It's follow the money. Who stands to profit off of these conversations, this divide, this kind of us versus them narrative? I play with a bunch of people on my hockey team who are gay, who are trans, who are every color under the, the LGBTQ plus rainbow. And they're all awesome people. And we don't make it about any of their different identities or whatever that, that is, you play hockey with them, you talk with them, you go out for a beer afterwards. That's the way it should be. Like whatever you do in your own private bedroom, that's your thing. Go nuts. Like yeah. you're an adult. Yeah. <laughs> do your thing. Like why we bring that in the public square? I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> Craziness. But. Yeah. It's so, I think that's the lesson I learned or I should say I learned, but I've seen over this past weekend is we fallen far we've fallen a far away as canadians in terms of how we view free speech and people being able to express themselves and not allowing how someone else expresses themselves to affect how you view and live your life yeah i just i find it so interesting too because i was reading a couple articles coming out of the states and i know we're like we're way off track for what we had planned to talk to you guys about <laughs> no we're actually but, right on track we're right on track baby. well for me it was off track but <laughs> Um, what I was thinking is like, I was reading these articles about how they were allowing students to self segregate in classrooms. Yeah. And I'm just like, why? Like, why is that where we need to be? And I was, I was also kind of criticizing some of the different initiatives in Nova Scotia where they're creating like, you know, a black only business initiative. It's like, why wouldn't you take the current system that we're using and just make it more, um, Black. No, more. <laughs> what are you trying to say, right? More accessible, okay. Like for those communities, if you're like these communities don't want to use that space, it's like why? Why don't they want to use it? Ask the question. Right. Make somebody uncomfortable. Oh. Don't create a whole separate system that's like blacks only for that one, and white people use this one. It's like, do you think Martin Luther King would like that? Like seriously? That's what I understood. Is <laughs> I have a dream speech. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we want all the blacks to stay with the blacks. We want the whiteies to stay with the whiteies. And it's it's what we said before. It's the horseshoe, right? Yeah. It's you get the crazy ultra left on one end of that horseshoe, and then the ultra right. <laughs> and there's been so many comedians who've who've done this. Like Trey Kennedy did one. Um, I'm trying to remember the other guy. Uh, he just recently came to Toronto and like, there's been so many things on this, so I won't bore you with it, but it's just to see it play out over and over and over again. And you're like, it's not funny anymore. It's just, it's kind of sad. Yeah, I agree. And I know the sketches you're talking about and it's, it's, it's not funny when it's so real, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it's one, 
uh, comedy is interesting that way, right? Where it's comedy is funny when you make fun of things that you're not supposed to make fun of. Um, you are a little edgy that way, but when like you're just when your comedy is essentially just a mirror of what's happening in reality, it just stops being funny because it's just like, uh, that's you're, you're reminding me of my everyday life. I'm not enjoying that. Yeah, you know that that's that's <laughs> the thing that's tough. So. It's hard too because I mean some people find that really humorous, um, which True. is why we support free speech because you have different tastes, different likes. Imagine that. But uh, I'm like one of those people who say secondhand embarrassment or or any of those like super awkward things like The Office. I can't do The Office. Like no that. way. It's Diversity Day is my favorite episode. <laughs> episode two. So Scott's tots wasn't too bad either. <laughs> but um, Jen loves it. She loves it. She watches The Office. She's probably watched it like fifty times through. I like sit down for like a hot minute and just catch a clips of it. And I'm like, Oh, my skin crawls. I, of the I can't do it. <laughs> and that's what happens with some of these videos where I'm just like, it's so real. It's just like, Oh, to quote uh, somebody today at work gives me the ick. Oh gosh. Not bringing that <laughs> terminology and speaking of free speech, get out of here. You censored your mic. No, no, it's good. Um, Last but not least, last thing we'll touch on this UFC event. People are freaking out about it, mainly on the right, but, you know, this happened. Uh, so, obviously, Chance broke out at the uh, Scotiabank Center in Toronto during the UFC event of F. Trudeau Chance. Everyone let him know, you're not welcome here. I thought it was interesting because... Um, I saw a few different right-leaning accounts post this and, you know, they tried to make it about, a, you know, an issue of like, oh, is Trudeau losing the country if this is the, the chant that started? And I'm like, <laughs> you got a blue-collar event. Those people are going to lean a certain way. Uh, it's like, you know, if you went to any, like, any type of other social gathering that the left would do. Um, you know, Like you what, Josh? Do a, ta a Taylor Swift event. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, like you have a Taylor Swift event and they all start saying they, they hate Trump. Of course you're going to expect that because Taylor's policies tend to lean or politics tend to lean left and you're going to attract people that are more left leaning. And of course that type of chance is going to break out. It's just, it doesn't mean it's a, it's, I mean, it was interesting. It was real loud. It was real loud. Yeah. But you know, I'm like, yeah, it's a blue collar. We, we all know how we all feel. <laughs> uh, you know, we we all don't like the guy who thinks he's a dictator, and he think we need he needs to go. You know, it was an interesting sight. Yeah, thought it was funny, hilarious. The curveball I thought was interesting was the fact his son was there. Mm -hmm. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for the brother. Yeah. You know, uh, but you know what though we've we've talked a lot about how Trudeau's divided this country, but maybe he's actually unifying the country right now in their hatred of. <laughs> you're seeing more and more left-leaning people more and more center more and more you know of those groups of people joining in with the conservatives and the and the right saying it too <laughs> so we maybe he's actually unifying the country <laughs> maybe he is maybe that was his whole plan all along it was a long-term goal good yeah. for him wow yeah. actually he's probably smarter than i thought he was what a great guy dude oh, he's my favorite now <laughs> best prime minister we've ever had 
<laughs> Burf. <laughs> oh, gee. Yeah. So that that happened. Uh, we'll see where things go. Obviously, we're getting to some of the more real issues here now today. Uh, but um, it was funny. We uh, This story came across our feeds. Um, this was one of the things we debated on before the show. Are we going to cover this? Are we going to touch on this? Uh, we finally charged a man in, in connection with the uh, wildfires that took place here in Nova Scotia over the summer. And uh, I thought this was interesting. A man who's 22 charged in connection with the largest fire wildfire in U.S. history. And uh, which one? This one started down uh, kind of Barrington County. Yeah. Uh, that way. Down at the very most like southern tip of the province. Yeah. And essentially it displaced over 6,000 people. Take out 150, 200 homes. Uh, it wasn't a nice, pretty site. No, that wasn't the one that took out the homes. Um, it was. Then CTV's lying. It was the hectares of of property uh forced more than six thousand people from their homes and destroyed 60 houses and cottages as well as 150 other structures okay yeah. um it was all it was the last in a string of springs and wildfires in the province to be tamed reason why we're talking about this is uh, yeah a i'm happy someone got arrested over this um who caused this i think that's like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a lot of damage a lot of people lives were uprooted for this the only issue I have with this, or not the issue I have, is is more so the fact that we had these tweets coming out during this time of during the wildfires. It's Sean Fraser tweeting out, When I left Nova Scotia this morning, wildfires had displaced thousands of families at home. When I arrived in Ottawa this afternoon, conservative MPs insisted we repeal policy, policies designed to fight climate change. Climate change is real. Let's treat it with the seriousness it deserves. And... You know, uh, you had CBC Nova Scotia writing ecologists and climate change activists are saying that climate change plays a role in Nova Scotia's wild Nova Scotia's wildfires and are urging officials to recognize these effects. This comes back to the point of just being really upset with this type of rhetoric mm-hmm. where we are implementing policies that are ruining people's lives these days based on, well, it's for the betterment of the, the environment. And... And then you point to these huge, uh, huge problems of obviously the wildfires taking place. And then you end up finding out later, not just here, but other parts of the country, a lot of these fires were started by people, not just because the climate was getting bad. And, but they'll run with these narratives to institute their policies that are essentially bankrupting people. Yep. I I don't know if you saw, but in Quebec, they actually charged somebody as well for, for wildfires. And they, he went on in his, uh, in his trial to say, well, you know, I felt that it was my job to do. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? It was just, it was a really, I'm paraphrasing, but it was just, I heard that it was weird. Um, One of the things that I find challenging with this is that I can, like I said, I come from a sustainability background, so I can look at this and go, yeah, definitely. Like if we're having warmer winters and drier springs um, because of things that we've done, like, obviously that's not great. But when you start throwing things like these wildfires are, you know, the cause they're caused by climate change and they have all these people lining up to say it, like that's where it bugs me because it's exactly the same problem I had with the hydrogen thing. Like you had the environmental eco groups coming out saying it's going to destroy habitat and all this other crap. And they're like, we don't like it. And like, I also don't like it, but I think your reason is wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, the reason I don't like it is because I don't think it's fiscally responsible. And almost the same, exactly the same as this. It's like, yeah, we can actually reduce our, our carbon footprint. We can actually make our cities less polluted. We can do things to, to make things better. But 
a tax isn't going to do it. I mean, they've already shown that the carbon tax hasn't done anything. We've had the most polluting year in, in our history since instituting the stupid tax. It's like, obviously that's doing wonders. <laughs> so it's, it's things like this and then them trying to pin the wildfires on climate change as well. It's just, it's stupid. It's, it's honestly, it's the people who decide that they're going to burn in 30 plus degree weather or the people who are out in the public parks and in the national parks that were out setting campfires in 30 degree weather when we haven't had rain in two weeks. It's like educate people. They're being dumb. <laughs> like that's what it is. It's human stupidity. It's not climate change. But what I can say is that, you know, climate change obviously isn't making it better. Like I remember being a kid putting a snowsuit on and then my Halloween costume that's not the case here in Nova Scotia. We haven't seen snow really yet. The ski hills are bare. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's real. We can see that you can point to that. But the thing is like that doesn't move um, policies like a fire does. Right. So it's again, follow the money, follow who's, you know, benefiting from this. And when they change the narrative and try and push their agenda and then use something and falsify it to make it fit their agenda, that's when the problem comes in. Yeah. This is a bit uh, going probably a little, little right field here. Go for it. We're talking about climate change here. From your perspective, what is affecting climate change the most? Is it stuff that we've done in terms of the amount of carbon we emit, this, that, the other? Or is it just a part of the... Uh, um, just the evolution of our world in general. And like, is, this is just a part of happening every 10,000 years type of thing. So what I've read on it is they've said that the world goes through cycles where you have a cold ice age and then you have a warming period. What they've said though, is that what we've done is we've sped up that process, that the process is actually, it's a cycle. It, the earth goes through cycles like this. But if we want to allow like the environment to be able to, to adapt to that warming, that naturally occurs, um, we need to not speed it up. And so what we're doing is we're actually speeding it up. And so because you have natural things like volcanoes, forest fires that naturally occur, not set by people, <laughs> you know, things like that, that yeah. throw a lot of particulate into the, into the air. I mean, if you remember when, I guess we wouldn't remember we weren't alive, but when Mount St. Helens um, erupted, hmm. like it dropped the earth's temperature by a degree or something crazy like that. So it's, you know, we have an, an, an impact, but there are natural processes at work that the earth goes through cycles with. But it's just the fact that when you start throwing up so much carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and then other um, forms of greenhouse gases, like you will, you will speed things up. And so I think from what I've read and what I've seen and what I've learned in my, in my education, I would say that we're making it faster and that the environment can't evolve and adapt fast enough so you're losing a lot of species a lot of biodiversity that way right so this goes back to another question that people will ask mm -hmm. is who's really doing the most because canada puts up what close to like what one and a half two percent of the world's carbon and then you look at india and china or just like burning like crazy oh yeah like do you think that's a like don't do you think they're the problem and not so much us lowly Canadians over here? 100%. <laughs> Definitely. I, I think that like, yeah, when I, I look at the, all the pollution that we produce, like the most amount of pollution comes from factories. It comes from power plants. It comes from big burning 
of hydrocarbons. It comes from, I think it was in the Saudi Arabian desert where they burnt just like miles upon miles of tires. Mm, right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's what, you know, degrades the environment. Um, obviously any air pollution is not going to be great. It's going to be bad for human health. It's going to be bad for um, creating acid rain and creating all kinds of other noxious things for the environment. You look at the trees in downtown and all their leaves are all destroyed. And it's because of the, it's called VOCs, volatile organic compounds that are pumped out of the tailpipes of cars. You look at those leaves and you go, oh crap, that's probably what my lungs, lungs look like when I was working in the cadaver lab at the, the Tupper building. So that's the Dalhousie Medical School. Um, we looked at the lungs of urban dwellers compared to the lungs of rural dwellers. And so people who were urbanites, actually their lungs more closely looked like people who were smokers. Interesting. And so when I look at that, I'm like, that would be issue enough for me to say, okay, maybe we should reduce our impact because you can see it in people's lungs. Um, but to then just like say that we're the, the primary cause of all the world's woes, like not even a little bit, like not even a little bit. <laughs> and we're, and we're putting the most aggressive, um, policies in place to try and like reduce our impact. And then you've got like countries next to us who are just burning left, right and center and, and who actually incentivize companies to produce more. And it's, it's really, really frustrating when I'm saying, okay, we're suffering. We're seeing people being put out in the street because they can't afford things. We're seeing people skipping meals because they can't afford the groceries because of all the tax on tax on tax on tax and taxing that. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Who is this helping? Right. And it's a, it's a multiplayer game. Like, you know, even if Canada eliminated all of its carbon output, we still have to like look to our neighbors and say, are you doing the same? Are you not doing the same? Is everything that I've just done going to be erased by the fact that you're like, oh, great, there's more room now to pollute. Like you have to, you have to work together. You can't do this in, in, uh, in the silo. And I feel like that's what people don't understand. Uh, so you're like huge pro World Economic Forum then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pro countries talking to each other. Yeah. I'm, I'm pro countries talking to each other. Um, I'm worried about the impact of big business in the World Economic Forum. That's what I'm worried about. You've got these multinational country or companies who are more powerful than countries. Like that scares me because they don't answer to anyone. They answer to their shareholders and their shareholders are saying make more capital. So that to me, like that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, dude, I think that is, you know, kind of, I guess, we're slowly kind of getting into uh, we're, what the goal tonight was. Um, but like this is, again, goes back to what we we're talking about, right? Where you have more invasive policies looking to come down the pipe. Um, Canada is looking into whether restaurants, wood ovens meet emission standards. It's reported by CTV. Uh, the federal government says it carried out a compliance promotion activities with some restaurants that use wood-fired ovens to determine if they meet emission reporting thresholds under the National Pollutant Release Inventory Program. And they're saying addressing air pollution is a shared responsibility between federal, provincial, and territorial governments. Some provinces and municipalities in Canada also have standards in place that set limits on, on air pollutant emissions from new residential wood-burning appliances, a spokesperson from the Environment and Climate Change Canada told CTV News in a statement. And so when I was looking in the States, it was last year when I think it was Congress, it was the Democrats who were put forward the idea that we should get rid of gas ovens. 
And then people freaked out like, that's stupid. What are we doing that for? And then they decided to gaslight us. No pun intended. And said, we never said that. That's crazy. Who would want to get rid of gas? I found gas oven. That's dumb. And now here we go. Canadian government. Uh, wood fired ovens. Got to go. Your pizza. It's got to go. <laughs> and you know, what's crazy is like of all the air pollutants, like I spoke earlier about volatile organic compounds. You're not getting this off of wood ovens. Like we've been burning wood since we've been humans. <laughs> like that's the most natural form of pollutant you can possibly get to is wood smoke. <laughs> like, give me a break, <laughs> dude. But obviously it was this that caused all those wildfires last summer. Oh, so right. Yeah. It was the pizza ovens, bro. <laughs> Got us. I mean... I'm, I can't eat gluten, so I'm, it must be it must be the pizza. Ah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Shoot. Yeah, so these are, again, these are the types of super invasive policies that this government keeps shoving down our throats. And that nobody wants. <laughs> no one wants this. No one asked for this. But if we can just find a way to control your life a little bit more, then we've succeeded. And that's more so my, my issue. And then you have... Trudeau that had came out the other day and decided to say this about his uh, counterpart, Polyev. Come on. To what extent is Nunavut a riding that you look at as one you'd want to win back to survive another federal election? Well, I think Canadians, not just in Nunavut, but right across the country, are going to have a really important choice coming up in the next election. Do we want to continue to fight climate change? Do we want to still uh, continue to look at uh, responsible partnerships, uh, working together to solve big issues? Do we want to continue to work towards reconciliation as an explicit goal and a journey that Canada's on? Those are the kinds of questions people are going to have, have to ask themselves in the next election because the Conservative Party under Pierre Polyev has made it very, very clear that they want to take Canada backwards in all those ways and more. Uh, and I look forward to having these conversations with Canadians in Nunavut and right across the country. Uh, but for now and for the next uh, year and a half plus, we have a lot of work to do and we're going to keep rolling up our sleeves and doing it together. Did you see that smile too when he said it? He was like, oh, that was a good one, Justin. Yeah. Good. Good He's job. proud of himself. <laughs> proud of himself. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was interesting. Interesting wording. His mm -hmm. part, right? Polyev will take us backwards. And what I'm starting to see, just by the eight-year track record of this government and Trudeau, is their future is a word that's being floated as post-nationalistic. Um, you know, less individualism, more collectivism, more, yeah. Trying my best not to use buzzwords right now. Yeah. But, like, really loving these socialist policies that are slowly giving way to a world of more communistic-type policies. And we said it multiple times, right? He, he warned us before he ever took power. He loves basic dictatorships. Mm -hmm. like this, is, I, this is eventually where he wants to take us. And so when he says that he's going to, Polyev is going to take us backward, it's not that he's going to take us backwards. He's going to take what Trio has planned for us 
that's going to go in a reverse direction. Yeah. People actually being able to think for themselves, people being able to take, uh, take care of their family and their finances, be able to provide for the families, people being able to say whatever they want, people being able to express themselves. All these ideas will be reversed. Mm-hmm. And that's what Trudeau means when he says that Paulie will take Canada backwards. Yep. And it's funny because I, I think about it too, and I'm just like, what is forwards? You know, that that's the part that I, I wonder, you know, when you think about a measure of success, like what does that look like for you? And so far what you've demonstrated is people being quiet, people obeying, people paying me money and me having absolute power. And that to me is not forward. If that's forward, I'm putting it in reverse and going as far away from that as humanly possible. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I think this is, I think it's wild. And I know that I use that word a lot because otherwise I'd use every curse word in the book (laughs) because that's how mad it makes me. Um, But yeah, this doesn't feel like forward to me. And I think about all the metrics that there are out there about food bank usage, about poverty, about um, hope. Like that one was, that one hurts my soul a lot because that's like, that's what I thrive on is that hope piece. And I've said that a lot in the last week actually and uh, when I see the scores of people in our society that are feeling hopeless, like that one hurts me. And so when I'm looking at this and going, that's forward, I don't want any part of that. Like you can keep that. Like, no thanks. That's my free speech. <laughs> Drew. Yeah. And that's kind of where so more, more so a lot of the, the frustration comes from. Like we're, we've, we've seen enough at this point. We're done. We're, we're, we're tapping out. And I'm glad that most Canadians are seeing it now. And if given the opportunity, they can oust this guy. Because um, I actually had a conversation this week that I never thought I would have. And it was with my grandmother, of all people. And those, to understand my grandmother is she, she spent most of her life in a factory. Huge on unions. Worked for Chrysler has voted NDP every year of her life. Huge NDP fan. Mm-hmm. And anytime conser- politics ever got brought up to the dinner table, it was always like, oh, it's conservatives. They're so evil. All they want is big business and this, that, the other. And so, anyways, I was on the phone with her the other day and she was just going off about Trudeau. She really hates Trudeau. <laughs> and I was like, of course, most like NDP, re, most en- reasonable NDP people would really not like him because mm-hmm. he's, he's fake. And then she's like, yeah, but I don't see any other option. I have to vote for Polyev. Yep. Like, and I was just like, hold up, man. Hold up, hold up. Did you just, did you say you're going to vote conservative in the next election? She's like, can't believe I'm saying it myself. But like, I hate Jagmeet because he, has showing no resemblance what the NDP party used to be. Yeah. And Polyev is the only person who's talking common sense. I was like, did you just hear yourself say that? Did you just say that? She's like, yeah, I know. That's what he says all the time. I get it. But (laughs) it's true. Like he just makes sense. Whereas these other guys are just, just throwing money away and they're just stripping us of any type of financial dignity we have. And I was like, gee, when my far left grandmother is, Saying we get we gotta vote Paul Evan. I'm like, gee, that's how bad the liberals have messed up. Yeah. And you have to listen to these people too, because like they've been around, they've seen the block. Mm-hmm. Like they know what's up. They've been through the factories, they've been through multiple government changes. And when they're all signaling that 
this is an issue, I mean, you listen. Yeah. And my grandparents also said the same thing because they voted liberal and they're like, looks like it's going to be conservative this time around. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. Gee. Gee. <laughs> and, and it is, it's true. It's so many people, but what I also find funny is the amount of people in private. Mm-hmm. There was just like, they're, they're waving the flag and they're, you know, chanting the chant, but then in the back room when they know that they're safe, they're like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to vote for conservative. This and I'm like, what was that? Yeah. I, I, I didn't hear you. Say a little louder, please. <laughs> and it's funny because like, this will be the first election I will have ever voted conservative federally because like, I, I feel like I've got this group of people now who think I'm just like the farthest right p- person out there. I had one friend tell me that he's lost all respect for me and that, you know, he thought I was such an educated person <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, no. that, and that, uh, he, now he doesn't understand if I can even discern fact from fiction. Oh my God. I was like, you know what? I was like, that one I'll give you because there's so much crap out there. It's, it's hard to sift through sometimes, but, um, but yeah. And then like throwing some ad hominem attacks out there. And I was like, oh, man, I've oh. never, I've never once criticized your character in this conversation, but, uh, cool. Well, <laughs> and you've lost respect for me. Okay, cool. Gee. <laughs> Let's that's where we're at. But, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was interesting. And so I feel like the people who've dug in have dug in hard, but the vast majority of people, it seems like, like I said, whether it's out loud or in the back room are like, I can't take it anymore. It's enough is enough. I can't keep watching everything go up. And the only thing that stays the same is my salary or my fixed income or whatever it is. That's the only thing staying the same, which means it's going down. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the size of it. And it's funny because you watch the liberals looking at the polls and they're just like, must be rigged. <laughs> Who are they? What is this cross section of, that's not the actual cross section. There's been everything out there to debunk these polls. I'm like, no, that's actually the temperature of Canada. People are not happy. And if you wanted to actually turn this around, liberal party of Canada, you would oust your fearless leader, the grand poopa, and uh, you'd put somebody else in his place. And it would not be Christy Freeland. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think you're, you're right. And, um, what the, what I've been finding interesting is Angus Reed polls came out. Mm-hmm. Most updated ones came out yesterday, today. And they now have the conservatives projected at 222 seats. Yeah. That's like, to give you an idea, the highest was Diefenbaker back in 58 with 208, 212, mm-hmm. something like that. Like, it's unheard of what's yeah. happening right now. And uh, and it just shows you how, and it's not because, like, I, I do think Paulie has policies, I do I do agree with a lot of Paulie has policies, don't get me wrong, I think he's, I've I've been team Paulie F since 2018, mm-hmm. huge Paulie fan. But I don't think it's all because of him, but a lot of it had to do with how, bad Trudeau is as a prime minister the worst prime minister in our history and I'm not exaggerating that's quite literally every every viable metric points that he's the worst leader we've had yeah holy smokes and it's so funny too because some of the people that are defending him they're like well you ha- you have to realize like he went through a pandemic oh my god like, get my face oh my god like sure so did everybody else in the world <laughs> yeah well let's talk about 2008 we had a huge financial strike ha- happen across the world. Huge, huge crisis. issue. Yeah. Huge crisis. 
people lost a lot of money on a lot of property. But somehow, some way, Canada got through that virtually unscathed. Mm -hmm. Yep, it takes a good leader to get through it. There were a lot of the reasons why Harper got reelected, even though it was as a minority. Actually, no, he came back as a majority. It was because he handled what happened at the crisis. People respected that. Yep. They saw what happened in the States and it didn't happen up here. And they said, whoa. But now we have a child at the wheel. And he's completely just reacted to everything that's yeah. happened. And some say it's reaction. Others say it's planned. You do you. Regardless, we have an awful re result right now. And it's interesting, too, because I feel like I hear the argument so much that they're like, oh, well, Pierre Polyev is a career politician. And and uh, do you really want somebody who's had no real experience? And I'm like... Okay, back it up for a second. You're saying that Justin Trudeau, son of a former prime minister, now prime minister, you know, that doesn't scream nepotism in your ears? Like, what? <laughs> like, how does that constitute real experience? And they're like, and I was like, I'd much rather see somebody who stayed in the political game, built themselves from the ground up, and now they're like a contender for prime minister of Canada. That to me says like somebody who worked hard and got there. I don't care if that was their only profession. That means that they just really knew what they wanted. <laughs> yes, so, eh? But like at the same time, I am cautiously optimistic about him because like there's been some things like, like some policies I don't agree with. I don't agree with this housing policy. Um, I don't think that squeezing the municipalities is going to somehow create new housing. Really? Yeah. I, I don't. I really don't. Like, like that's why I think about the policy. Like in, you really start putting some pressure on them to really start using their resources to make something happen. Whereas most, uh, yeah, most councils and just aren't in provinces just are not being smart with the money that they have. So yeah, choke them out until they produce some results. Then they can get some better funding. I think it's like squeezing blood from a stone, honestly, because I've really? sat in, in a lot of council meetings because I used to sit on the community design advisory committee. Um, the ways that I could see you create efficiencies there would be, removing the amount of committees that have to like hear some development things, but, and maybe diverting resources to like more um, of the development department. Um, but I really think that it's empowering the av average everyday community to actually build their own housing is what you need. Mm -hmm. And the way that you do that is you have to give them access to financial resources to do so. If I was having this conversation with a coworker the other day who wanted to buy land and build they said, we have family members who are plumbers, who are electricians, who are uh, carpenters by trade. We, we have the connections and we know that we can do this and they'd be willing to do this in their off hours, like beyond the average nine to five. And that's what we need at this point in time because we can't build fast enough. And so we have people who are connected like that. I'm connected like that as well. My younger brother, he's training to be an electrician. I know he would come up and wire something for me if I needed it. But the problem is, is that um, it doesn't make sense for me to build. I can't get a loan from the bank to build. They won't give me the money. And when you have a 50% down payment on land, and then you have to pay another 20% on top of that, then for the housing, and they don't combine it. Like there's just, it's so out of reach for people to actually take tools, put them in their own hands and build something. And it's funny because it's all done in the name of safety. And it's like, we had structures for how many hundreds of years and everybody didn't die. Like <laughs> we're going to be okay. Maybe every once in a while you get something that's like not great. Um, but I even look at my grandparents' home 
it would not be allowed to be built right now, but it's shelter and they're living in it and it's not the best, but they're not out in the street. They're not in the cold. They're not freezing to death. So I look at that and I always hear these wartime measure crap that uh, the liberal government is pulling out there. And I'm just like, yeah, wartime measures, like allow people to build for themselves, allow people to actually do for themselves, but they're not. Mm -hmm. I want to renovate my basement so that I can stop losing heat through the the walls of my concrete. I can't do it. I can't access the the federal funding for that because I have to hire a contractor to come in and do it and then bill it and then wait for the money to come back. It's like, if you really wanted people to be, be greener, give them the money up front, allow them to do the renos themselves. Mm. Like stop trying to make it so uh, credentialized and so controlled. And that's the problem. So that's what I see as a housing issue. I don't see it as um, we need to squeeze the municipalities because frankly, a lot of those people are working really hard to do what they do. Um, a couple of them I'm not really crazy about, but for the most part, like nine out of 10, they're, they're working hard to try and do right by the citizens because they're in the community and they're visible. Right. Uh, the federal politicians, I don't know what they're doing. I've, I was looking up my federal politician and I'm like, I don't know what you do, man. You make the same salary I do and you do a whole lot less. So <laughs> no, man, he, he's on Twitter. hyping people up, man. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> we got to have him on the show. Uh, it'd be interesting. I would be interested in here is, uh, what he does. I, w- I would do. Looks like. I would. I would honestly. I would sit there with respect for him and his role, but I would love to actually know what your plans are, what you're doing, and uh, yeah. So if he is ever interested, come on down <laughs> for sure, <laughs> Mr. Perkins. That was right. Perkins, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll d- touch on this quickly, just because it's important. But yeah, the World Economic Forum had their annual meeting. Did anything pop out to you out of that? That, that you're just like, oh. That was <sighs> that. That's another weird thing. The NATO speech, and I don't know if you want to do a whole separate yeah, discussion I want to do that on separately, that. Yeah, okay. I was wondering if there's anything on top of that that was sticking out to you. I think that one overshadowed everything for me. So it's the NATO. We'll just jump into NATO then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's obviously like, the one thing about the WEF meeting. What I thought was interesting was the fact that the theme being rebuilding trust, mm-hmm. and the fact that they invited a lot of con- contrarian voices to the event which was really weird to me um to see javier malay get up there from argentina and just rip the web i know i was like how are why are they allowing this yeah had me question they had the heritage minister from the states he came in tore up the web said this thing needs to be completely disassembled and gone needs to be thrown out and that with along with other speeches they allowed to have there and be heard is this a bigger plan to rebuild trust i don't know i don't it was weird to me that they allowed such contrarian voices to come and be heard i do remember one that like threw me off as soon as you started talking about contrarian voices i was like oh yeah the eco side the lady i don't know if you saw that she's like we need to stop farmers and stop fishermen from committing eco side and i was like oh maybe she's talking about like the pesticides that are put in plant. No, she's talking about just eating food. Yeah. <laughs> Straight and up I, farmers. And I like, go. this is where like bad reg came out. Cause I looked at her. I was like, it doesn't look like she's pushing away from the plate. So, <laughs> and, uh, Jeez. and then also too, All like right, Sean Strickland, <laughs> <laughs> but like also too, just the amount of plastic she was wearing. And I'm like, you can't come in and tell people that they can't farm and they can't fish like the most sustainable ways of getting food <laughs> and then be wearing petroleum-based products like it just it 
it's so hypocritical. And I think that was what threw me off. Yeah. I think that was clear as day to me of how they view us. Yeah. We are just tools to get there to their end, which just shows what they're trying to do. They, it's, they, they want to be just a bet. They, they want to be a better version of Xi Jinping. They want, they, they want the communism with a little bit of capitalism mixed in. That's what, that's eventually what they want. Just workers get things done. So we can just have things and, these speeches just ring true that it's so they're so invasive of what they want like just get rid of farming is that what you want dude that's crazy to me and oh there was one other thing that was that mentioned during the during the event that was like oh yeah uh this was from last year the fact that they're looking at trying to read people's minds oh yeah with through wi-fi yeah like what the heck <laughs> you just see people on the far right just starting to put their tinfoil hat yeah. on <laughs> and i'm like crap now you actually have reason to wear it yeah. like, <laughs> i'm like no it's not what we want but that's and that's the thing that i hate the most is i can't believe the words that just came out of my mouth yeah but the technology exists to be able to do that now and then on top of that they said, oh, wouldn't it be cool to be able to see people's dreams? They want to see what you're dreaming and what you're thinking of. Like, it's it's bonkers to me what they talk about these meetings. And we obviously they don't get a whole lot of play in terms of the, the regular media, but it is crazy to me. And fact check me on that. It is a thing. Research it. It's wild. It's a wild speech. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's crazy times. <laughs> Dude, anyway, so our leaders just came home from that. And Polyev lit them all up as they came back. Mm -hmm. He wanted to remind everybody that no one from his cabinet will be going to any WEF events. And, uh, you know, and then obviously, then he, he slammed the Quebec mayors and all that. <laughs> but anyways, moving on. Uh, so speaking of the one world government and these types of ideas, uh, NATO has come out and said, Haha, prepare for war, <laughs> you poor people. Uh, here we go. This is Admiral Rob Bauer. The, the realization that not everything is planable, not everything is going to be honky-dory in the next 20 years. I'm not saying it is going wrong tomorrow, but we have to realize it's not a given that we are in peace. And that's why we have the plans. That's why we are preparing for a conflict with uh, uh, with Russia and the terror groups, if it comes to it, if they attack us, we're not seeking any conflict. So this to me is very reminiscent of World War One. So you have a bunch of countries who are uncomfortable that Germany's getting a little bit, uh, a little too big for its britches. And they're like, nah, don't really like that. England starts putting out some um, rhetoric about, you know, Germany and, and, and itself. And, uh, you know, we need to be wary of our neighbors and stuff like that. They, they start putting that out there, the feelers. And then all of a sudden, Franz Ferdinand and his wife, they, they get shot. And then the countries are like, well, we're going to war and we're bringing our friend. And we're like, well, we're bringing our friend and we're bringing our friend. And then eventually you have World War One. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? You shuffle up the powers and then you have World War Two come along and Germany is being so economically sanctioned that uh, they elect 
one of the worst leaders of all time. Possibly. I mean, there's been some pretty nasty ones in China and Russia as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. He's up there. Yeah, he's, he's definitely up he's there. He's definitely up there. But when you think about this, it's like, how do you take normal, rational people and put them into an irrational situation like a war or where you're rounding up your neighbors and, and executing them? It's when you actually create the conditions, you condition them first with weird propaganda with with these narratives and then you squish them economically to the point where they feel that they have no other option and that's what i feel like is happening it feels very reminiscent of world war one and world war world ah, world war one world war two where it's just you're crushing people economically um all around the western world um because we're seeing it in all these different countries and then you're pushing out rhetoric you're pushing out cultural items like you had mentioned before that speak to the possibility of war. They flirted the idea of, of a draft um, just in the States and Gen Z lost their mind about it, um, which rightfully so. I, I don't want to go fight for a corporate interest. No way. I was in the military before and I left and that was my own choice, but I don't want to be forced back into something that I don't want to be in. Free speech, free choice, you know, freedom of autonomy of, of being and be able to self-determine all that good stuff. And frankly, it's just, it's so reminiscent that I'm just concerned that we are heading for World War III because they want it so badly. And it's just like, why? Who is making money off of this? Mm -hmm. So I remember during the 2016 election in the States, Hillary's big speech was, man, if Trump gets in, we're headed for World War III. Didn't happen. But as soon as the establishment gets back in power, all of a sudden, chaos erupts around the globe. How did that happen? Mm -hmm. Come on, man. Like, it's, it, yes, you said interests greater than us want us to be at war. And they are blaming Russia. And that Russia's the aggressor. Meanwhile, if you look at history, I hate to tell you, we're the ones who are poking the bear. And as much as I'm not a fan of Putin as, as a leader, he is a tyrant, uh, we've put him in a box and forced him to, to attack. And that's what we're seeing. And now you get the general up here who has the audacity to say that, well, you know, we might be forced into a war. I'm like, bro, we told Russia... NATO would never expand east of Germany. We told them that. And then we kept expanding. And then we kept expanding. And then you started floating ideas that Ukraine was going to join NATO. Then Russia's like, <laughs> we're, we're done playing now. We're going to invade Ukraine. Like, just to prove a point. And that's where we're at right now. Is the reason why Russia didn't invade Ukraine was... Trump was at a in power, and he's a maniac, and he told him straight up, you and you you is so much cross the border that's not your own. I'm gonna bomb Moscow. Yep. And they, he said, Okay, sir, we won't be doing that. And but then as soon as Biden gets into power, we're crossing over the Donbass region and we're taking Ukraine. You know? I know. Did you see the the video that the Trump um, campaign put out? Which on? one? <laughs> the uh 
the White House senior residence video. No. It was so good. <laughs> and like, I'm not a, a big Trump fan, but this was hilarious. So he put out this video and it's like, um, senior, like senior White House residents where our residents feel like presidents. And then <laughs> they've got these clips of Joe Biden. He's just like, I, I eat all the food that they put in front of me. And you're like, oh man, it's brutal. It's brutal. <laughs> no wonder these other countries are just looking at the States and going, now's the time to, to act. Yeah. Because like you said, like for all the faults that Trump has, like he said to them, he's like, you, you know, you make so much of a move and we're going to bomb Moscow. And he was like, crap, he might actually bomb Moscow. <laughs> he's wild enough to do that. They look at Biden, they go, he would never do that. No. You know, he's, he's drinking his food through a straw. Like <laughs> they're, they don't care. And so that's where I kind of like look at it too. I'm like, you have to look at the strength of, of the leader and say, is this person going to be something that people are going to take seriously? And I bringing it back to Canada because I like to do that. When you look at our current government, people are snubbing our government left, right, and center. Like people who are on the left are snubbing our government left, right, and center in the political sphere beyond Canada's borders. And so when you look at that, you say, not only have the people lost confidence in this guy, but the rest of the world has lost confidence in this guy. We need to get him out. Because what does that mean? If people don't think he's anything and they think he's a joke, that means they think Canada's a joke and then I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. So if anything, even if he's a nice guy, like let's say all the crap that he pulled didn't happen and the world just doesn't think that he's anything. They think he's a drama teacher. They don't, they don't respect him. Even if he was a great guy, you still got to get him out because you need somebody out there that the world is going to respect yeah. because otherwise... You, you have what happened in mm -hmm. <laughs> Russia and Ukraine. And that's what I think. I think you make a very good point of comparing the Biden to Trudeau because that's what we're seeing is installing weak leaders so that they can be controlled by higher interests. And that's what we're seeing. Corporate interests are controlling our democracy. They are controlling what we know and, and, and they're making money off of it. And, they're the ones who are driving us into war. Like the fact I didn't see that, that, that video we just watched with, uh, let's, let's pull up his name again. Um, with the NATO's military committee, Admiral Rob Bauer. The fact I'm hearing from this guy, some guy in NATO, not hearing from the leader of the free world, not hearing from Joe Bod, not hearing from a president about what we're going to do. I'm hearing from NATO's military committee about us going into a world war. How the heck does that make any sense? Yeah. That's not right. So that just shows you this whole, you know, the people that still believe this is a conspiracy theory that there's, they're trying to aim for a one over one world government. I think it's just more of a conspiracy at this point where, yeah, they're conspiring. I don't know what to think of that, man. Um, I'm not even putting you in a tough spot with all your lefty friends. I get it, but <laughs> I don't. I don't want to make it too hard on you. Uh, no, I but, just. Yeah. I'm. I'm a thoughtful person, and I just. I haven't had a chance to think through that one yet. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep that one, and I'm gonna think on it. All right. Because that's. Uh, that's how I like to be, but uh, I do think that it does not look good when our government isn't commenting on it either. Yeah. And like that's classic our government. Like, there's a tough issue, run away. 
go surf in Tofino. Like mm-hmm. I just, it's what annoys me so much about our government, the cowardice. And so that's what I think when I think of a weak leader, I, I think of the cowardice, the refusal to address hard issues and then the identity politics that they're playing on easy issues. Like when we talk about things like for the trans community, trans issues are a real thing. Like for them, that's a big issue for them because it affects them, but that's 2% of the population or less, maybe even less than that. And when you look at like homelessness is affecting 5% of the population, you get platitudes and you get like fake promises or, you know, things that affect the indigenous community. And I think they're like what, six or 7% of the population. Um, no work done on the TRC calls to action. Like just actual issues are just getting nothing, but the, the low hanging fruit, like he'll come out and like talk about that for days or things that you can't quantify easily, like climate change. That one's really, really, really hard. The best scientists in the world are having a hard time measuring, forecasting, doing anything with that. Everything blows the models out of the water. They don't know what to expect. And that's exactly what we're hearing. We've surpassed different limits um, in the past. Like they've said, you know, if we go beyond this degree of warming, that things are going to be irreparable. We've passed that. And now we're like, okay, what next? And so I just, you jump on that one because it's easy. It's hard to quantify. It's hard. It's not tangible. And it's easy to talk about because nobody's really going to hold you accountable. But the thing is, when you can be held accountable, you're silent, you run away, you hide, you're having dinner with BlackRock. Like, it's just, that to me is so annoying. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with you. And the fact that this is like, you know, the, we said it with the Yemen situation too. We're just out of nowhere. One day I'm hearing, oh, America bombed Yemen. Yeah. We're just like, Whoa. <laughs> What did they do? And, you know, finding out later that Yemen was blocking the Red Sea and trying to uh, stall Israel and the U.S.'s work in trying to, you know, bomb Gaza. And the U.S. said, enough of that. Boom. Like, gee, welcome to the party. Biden's just taken after the work that Obama was doing previously. So here we go. They didn't call him Obama for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not kidding. They called him that. So, gee, it was wild. And you were so lucky, sir. You're so lucky. We're going to save the spicy stuff for next week. <laughs> I ha- I have a whole sheet of notes. Oh, my God. I have a whole sheet of notes. I was ready to go. See, but this is the problem is I don't have my sheet of notes. So you have to let me have a sheet of notes as well so that we can have a balanced conversation on it. Okay, sure. Why not? So what we're going to do is you can hear on the show now. Next week, we have a balanced conversation on the great replacement theory and what that's about. And is there any viability to it whatsoever? So, yeah. Sounds good. I'm ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Because, like, hey, that, that whole stuff is going on at the Texas-American border. It keeps getting worse by the day. I know. It's not crazy. Holy jumping. Quickly. I think it's amazing. No, I don't. What am I saying? <laughs> what? what am I saying right now? Uh, no, it's, it's crazy what's happening. So, federal border services and states said, yeah, we're going to keep letting migrants come in, let them keep coming in. And what they were doing is they were flying these migrants from various parts in the states, trying to get them situated. Then Texas said, yeah, no, uh, we're going to uh, deploy our military police and we're erecting borders. Uh, borders. They put up all kinds of barbed wire and they are arresting migrants that are coming over. The U.S. federal agency said, please stop doing that. And they said, no. And now what happens? Florida, Arkansas, and now obviously in Texas have all deployed their, deployed their National Guard to protect the border. Mm-hmm. 
So guns are involved on both sides. They haven't pointed them at each other yet, but that part I assume is coming. It is getting really, really spicy down there. So it just comes back down to the question, are we going to see a civil war first or are we going to see a world war first? It's getting bad. Yeah, I don't know. All I know is that we need to talk about that wild card because uh, a plane... Make you feel better? Make you feel better? Make you feel better? (laughs) Uh, SNL did a skit on it. It was actually excellent. They did a really good job. <laughs> dude, it's so funny, dude. Here's a here, here are the homies. There's a news gaffe that took place in the states, and it was absolutely major phenomenal. embarrassment for a San Francisco TV station and the NTSB. The station was tricked into airing a racially insensitive report about the crash, specifically identifying the crew members on the plane. And the NTSB is admitting this morning that it's its fault. A warning: some of what you're about to hear contains very offensive language. Here's Michelle Franzen. It all started as a late-breaking development in KTVU's noon broadcast. KTVU has just learned the names of the four pilots who were on board the flight. They are Captain Sum Ting Wong, We Too Low, Ho Li and Bang Ding Ow. <laughs> the NTSB has confirmed these are the names of the pilots on board flight 214. The offensive names and the obvious hoax spread quickly on the internet. Something wrong with you idiots. I know. realized the racially offensive error and apologized. We apologize for this error. But also cited that they had been confirmed by the NTSB. (laughs) The fact that that came out of the NTSB is wild to me. Yeah. Hilarious. Um, It just made me feel better as a podcast of like, you know, sometimes you get things wrong. These people do this for a living, and they just took it and ran with it. Yeah, that sounds about right. We're going to air that. <laughs> Something wrong. Yeah. Bang, ding, ow. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> like, how like, obvious could you make it? Uh, yeah, how do you read that and not go... There's something wrong with this like, script. Like, this is not good. Like, like, uh, there's no one even checked themselves on that. It's like, oh, that seems seems a little fake. Yeah. Gee. So unreal. that one's the old one. I thought you were talking. There's a new one. Yeah. There's so basically what happened is um, a flight to Alaska lost its door uh-huh. in the flight. Yeah. And so they came out with big, you know, apology statement. They can't believe it happened. And this is never going to happen again. And so the memes that came out afterwards about like Alaskan airlines is now allowing, um, uh, it's now allowing it's uh, passengers to bring screwdrivers and wrenches <laughs> and things aboard so they can help fix the plane while it's in the air and like all this stuff. And then they were talking about how like the next thing they're going to do is a convertible plane. <laughs> so like, <laughs> And it was just, it was excellent. Like the internet took it, ran with it. It was wonderful. So if you see a good one, send it our way because I was loving them. And like I said, SNL did a skit on it and they were like, their big takeaway was like, you know, it sucks, but now you have the best story to tell at the bar. (laughs) That is, that is true. It's like, that's the king of one upping things, you know, but have you ever been on a plane where the door blew off? No, I haven't. So. Not ting wrong with that. <laughs> Gee. Well, whatever it is you're doing, whether you be going for a coffee, on your way to work, or just trying to live your life and listening on the boat. Yeah. I don't know why. That, <laughs> you came back too fast. I didn't know what to do. Anyways, whatever it is you're doing, wherever you are, we love you. We're out. Peace. <laughs>